As I said last week, or a couple of three weeks ago now, we had the opportunity to share with you, and the first two points of our message was the priority of prayer. And uh, obviously, God's Word has commanded us to pray. But the truth of the matter is, if people who do pray, and they have a regular prayer life, and they understand the benefit of prayer, then they would not have to receive it as a command. They'd be eager to pray. Uh, one of the most thrilling things about being a Christian is experiencing an answer to prayer. I've had many prayers answered. And of course, we know there are only three types of answers that we get from prayer. Sometimes it's yes, and we rejoice in that. Sometimes it's no, and we get disappointed, but you have to trust in God that He knows what's best for you. He knows what's best for me. And then sometimes it's not only yes or no, it is wait. That might be the one that we don't like so well, to wait on God. But great men, great women of God have learned to wait on the Lord. And then the second point was the priority of prayer. We're commanded to pray, we need to be faithful to pray, and we need to be regular in our prayer life. Sadly and truthfully, a lot of Christians are not faithful in their prayer life. It's a hit and miss thing. Uh, and, and people tell me sometimes that, Brother Sloan, I just can't get into the practice of it. By the way, I like the word practice. Practice has a, a, a positive connotation to it. And, and uh, habits or a negative connotation, but a practice. And we need to get into the practice of prayer. And I'm going to try and help you with that tonight. Someone helped me, and I learned more and more about prayer. I've read several great books about prayer, and I trust something that I say or share tonight will be beneficial to our dear church family and others that may be watching us tonight. But tonight, our first point is the place of prayer, or the places of prayer. Of course, the Lord Jesus Christ is our amazing and great example when it comes to a devoted prayer life. And I think about where the Lord Jesus Christ took time to pray. We know He was on a three-and-a-half-year itinerant, going from city to city, village to village. By the way, He and His disciples walked everywhere they went. Uh, they didn't have any kind of modes of transportation uh, like we do, of course. But I don't even see mention of camels or horses or whatever. And so he goes from Jerusalem and all over Ju Judea. And, and then he goes into Samaria and other areas into Galilee. And he's traveled all that way, all that great distance by foot. And his disciples had followed him. And so he did not have a regular prayer closet. Although he makes reference to a closet on one occasion. We'll look at that in a little bit. But I will tell you this. He found a place to pray. And that's what's most important for you and your consistent prayer life is to find a place to meet with God, a time to fellowship with God, a time to uh, spend with the Lord Jesus Christ and our precious Father. Where did, uh, where did Jesus pray? Well, we know that he prayed on the mountain. It's listed there on three different occasions, and we find it in the four Gospels. But he prayed on the mountain. I, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to Virginia in a few days. I can hardly wait to get up into those beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains, and I'm excited about seeing 
uh, the fall colors and the foliage and all that kind of thing. But I want to tell you something. I enjoy praying when I'm in the mountains. I don't abandon my prayer life and leave it here in Goldsboro in Wayne County. When I travel and go somewhere like that, I'll pray on the way and I'll pray while I'm there and I'll continue and strengthen my prayer life. I love being in, the, the, in nature and things that God has created. But Jesus prayed on the mountain. The Bible also tells us in Mark chapter 1. Turn your Bibles with me to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 1, and I want to pay particular attention to one verse there. Mark chapter 1, and the, and the verse we want to look at is verse 35. The Bible says, And in the morning, by the way, that's a great time of the day to pray. Begin your day with prayer. And there's everything right with ending your day in prayer. And then in between, we sandwich times to pray. But it says, in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and he departed into a solitary place and there he prayed. And so he found a solitary, quiet place to pray. You ought to underline that verse, Mark chapter 1, verse 35, and remind yourself of that. He often prayed alone, but not always alone. It doesn't tell us very much about this, but in their travels with the twelve apostles, I have no doubt that they would go for a period of time and Jesus would say, Fellas, this is a good resting place. This is a good place to stop. This is a good time for us to maybe pray and, uh, and, and, and pray to our Father and rejoice of what we've learned and what we're doing for His calls. He prayed in the garden, the Garden of Gethsemane. He prayed in other gardens. He prayed among huge crowds. You know, before he fed the 5,000, he had had a period of time of preaching. He had had a period of time of praying. And then, I love that passage. I love that miracle because when he gathered everybody together and he then separated the food, began to break off the fish, break off the bread, and he would give to the disciples and delegate that food to be distributed among the many thousands that were there. Five, eight, ten, twelve thousand, fifteen thousand. They have calculated different numbers. What's most important is everyone got their bellies full of that good fish and that good bread. And Jesus Christ multiplied it. But before they partake, uh, partook of the, of the food, what did they do? He gave thanks. Jesus was always in a mode and an attitude of prayer. Paul knew that. Paul understood that because he wrote in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he said, pray what? You know that verse. If you don't, you should learn it. And it's a very easy verse to memorize, but verse 18 chapter 5 says, pray without ceasing. Now, how in the world can I pray and do my work and pray and drive my car and, and, and do this job and that job without and, and then pray and do my job at the same time? You'll be amazed how talented we are and we can do two things at once. You can be in an attitude of prayer. You can be thinking about God. You can think about the Lord Jesus Christ. You can think about what God's been speaking to you about. You can do it more often than you realize. And if it does interfere, stop. Do your job like you ought to, and then find a time and a place to pray. He prayed before he selected the 12 apostles. What an important time that was. Now, 
Turn your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Amazing passage here. This same passage tells us of the model prayer that the Lord Jesus Christ uh, shared with them. I'll not take the time to read that model prayer. That's something you can do in, in Matthew chapter 6, verses 8 through 13. But I do want you to look at verse 6. Matthew 6, verse 6, the Bible says, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father, which is in secret. You're in a secluded, quite secret place with God. And thy Father, which seeth in secret, will reward you openly or publicly. You know, I've met some people, I knew they'd been with God. I have listened to some people teach a lesson or preach a sermon, and I knew that they'd been with God. God had fed their heart. God had fed their mind. God had given them an incredible peace to present the Word of God as was needed. And so, uh, we know where he prayed. When did he pray? Well, we read a passage a minute ago that he, that he prayed in the morning hours. And what a wonderful time. I know of two places in the New Testament it says he prayed all night long. He would have prayed all night long if that crowd hadn't have come and arrested him and interrupted his prayer life there in Gethsemane. But they came and they arrested him and it would have been an all night prayer meeting. He prayed, he prayed alone. He prayed when he did several things and, uh, and, and just tried to feed his disciples. He taught his disciples how to pray, how important that was. You know, I, I think you can write this down. Jesus prayed everywhere and anywhere that he felt led to pray. And so that's important. Where are we to pray? We're to pray in that closet. We actually have a, a pretty nice walk-in closet at our home. I've walked in on Peggy several times kneeling and praying in that closet for a lost loved one, for a lost friend, for someone who needed prayer, for someone who's sick, someone in the hospital. And I've called her a number of times and vice versa. So use that prayer closet. I'm fortunate enough, my house, we have a three-bedroom house. One is our bedroom, one's designated for guests. And then I have a study. And I spend hours in my office preparing my heart and mind for preaching, for teaching, for speaking opportunities. And I spend hours in that wonderful, comfortable room in a good atmosphere praying and meeting with God alone. I don't know where your favorite place is. It might be a walk in the woods. It might be when you're walking in your neighborhood. Walk and pray. There's everything right with that. Sometimes I do it alone. Sometimes I walk and pray with a friend. Sometimes I walk and pray with my wife. Sometimes, sometimes I do it behind the wheel of that car. And I'm driving down the road and I get to singing and praying and praising God. And you say, boy, I bet people think you're a nut and you're just talking. Well, they used to before cell phones, but now people don't think much of it. I see people walking across a parking lot and they are talking up a storm. And you know what? You can't see that little phone device hooked up to their ear if it's on the other side of the head. And it tickles me to death. I think it's a very comical thing that they're doing that. And you don't even suspect 
what's going on. The main thing is, folks, find a time and find a place and commit to God Almighty. Do it anywhere, everywhere, and all the time. I want to share one more verse with you here quickly about this topic. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. Write that down or look that verse up if you're taking notes. And um, I, I've already made reference to it, but I love it. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, Pray without ceasing. What does that mean? Be in an attitude of prayer. It's hard to backslide, frankly. It's hard to do things and commit sin and do wrong if you're constantly thinking about the presence of God, the holiness of God, God's will for your life, and pleasing Him. Jesus said, I do that which pleases the Father. Do you? Do you do that? I don't always, but that's the goal, and that's the way I try to live. Number Four, our fourth point, second point tonight, is the purpose of prayer. Prayer has a purpose. Prayer is talking to God. Prayer is talking to the Lord Jesus Christ. Prayer is worship addressed to our Father. And prayer is a connection like no other connection you'll ever have with a human being on this earth. Our prayer life is something to be active. It ought to be thrilling it ought to be ongoing. Prayer should consist of four parts. Write this down. Here's a little acrostic for you. We have the book of Acts, the New Testament history book, and you can take those four letters and make A and C and T and S. A stands for adoration. What is adoration? We are offering praise and worship to our God. Read the model prayer. Read what Jesus taught the apostles, that they uplifted the name of the Father, that we praised Him for His goodness, for being created, for being saved, for the opportunity of knowing Him, having the Word of God, the opportunity to represent Him on and on and on. God deserves our praise. And then number two, the letter C, uh, is, is confession. What is confession? Repentance having a repentant heart. And if you know of any sin in your heart and life, I heard this as a kid. Keep those lists short. Keep those lists short. Have them cleaned away. I love this illustration. I shared it in Sunday school a few weeks ago. But we used to talk about these little pads that we had when I was a kid. And we could write, we could take something with just a blunt instrument or even use your finger. And you could scribble, draw, write words or whatever. And it was a little film on that and you could pull that and yank it up and lay it back down and it was clean. You know, that's the way we need to keep our sin list. Keep that list short. Keep that heart right with God. So adoration, confession, and then number three, so important, the letter T, thanksgiving. We have much to be thankful for. Hey, even when we're down and sick, even when we're down and discouraged, even if we're going through times of trial. Hey, the Apostle Paul and Silas, what were they doing at midnight? Were they grumbling, griping, and complaining? 
And Silas look at Paul and say, Can you see the mess you've got us into? We're in the slammer. We hardly have anything to eat. I've got chains on me. I've got these bonds and stocks on me. That's not what they were doing. They were praising God and singing hymns. Be thankful. And then the letter S, supplication. That is intercessory prayer. That is making prayer requests made to God. That is petitioning and letting God to know our desires. The purpose of prayer is simply to strengthen the believer. Folks, you need to pray. You need to pray. And you need to pray. Simple as that. James chapter 5, verse 16. It says, pray one for another. Uh, here's a list of some people you should pray for. I'm going to name them quickly and we'll finish this point. You ought to pray for the sick. The Bible tells us to do so. Pray for the hurting. Pray for the backslidden, the cold, the indifferent, the people that have slipped out of church and you look around and you don't see them. Have you called them? Have you called their name before God? Have you made an effort? Have you sent them a postcard? Have you let them know that you miss them, that you care about them, that you're concerned about them? It's one thing I admire so much about Miss Marie Cordell. She surveys that auditorium and she looks for people that are missing. She has known them to be regular, known them to be faithful. Let's reach out. I like the old telephone commercial. I can't remember what company now. But reach out and touch someone. Jesus left us here to do just that. Who else should we pray for? Let's pray for our pastor. Thank God for our leader. Thank God for our shepherd. Pray for him. Pray for the assistant pastors. Include me in that, will you? And then pray for our Christian school. Include me again. I'm their principal. And I need your prayer. I promise you, every one of our teachers, every one of our workers, every one of our secretaries, everyone that keeps house and helps keep those buildings clean and beautiful and useful. Tom Moran needs your prayers. We all need your prayers and support. The Bible says in James 5, 16, pray one for another. Pray for our ministries. Pray for our employees and our workers. Pray for Sunday school ministry. Pray for the children's church ministry. Pray for the Awanas and Brother Chris and all that they're trying to do. There is power in prayer. And people that are faithful to pray get the attention of God. God intercedes on their behalf. Pray for the Hispanic ministry. Pray for the teen ministry and Craig and, and Christy Taylor are doing a wonderful job in working with those teenagers. And just, I think about our missionaries, home and foreign. I think about Christian colleges and Southeastern and, and, and Russ Moots and, and Jim Markham and, and uh, Nate Ainge, our president, and all these folks. And I've got a list. I've got a three-by-five card, and I take and I read the different employees and names and students and praying for them. Pray for Dr. Joe Hass and the North Carolina Christian School Association. That's the association that we belong to. And that organization is making battles for us up in Raleigh at our state capitol. Pray for them. I saw Dr. David Gibbs Tuesday night. I went to a preaching conference. It was wonderful. And Dr. Gibbs got up and spoke a few moments. And praise the Lord, I saw him and, and, uh, and he spoke a few moments, Dr. Uh, uh, David Gibbs. Pray for the Gideons. Pray for Tommy's Foundation. Praise the Lord for this organization and the difference it's making. What am I saying? we got a lot of people we need to be praying for. And we should be praying for one another, praying for God's power, and praying that... Uh, 
we can accomplish a great work for God. Can I tell you something real quick? Some of you are not praying. Some of you are not praying. And you know it. And by the way, God knows it. There's not anything we're doing that He's not aware of. He knows who's faithful. Now let me tell you who does not want you to pray. None other than Satan himself. The devil's our enemy. He does not love you. He hates your guts. He hates God. He hates this book. He hates the method of prayer that God introduced to you and I. And I'm just telling you something. You need to battle the devil and you need to obey God. You need to submit yourself and be faithful to pray. Prayer changes hearts. Prayer changes minds. Prayers change lives. And so I encourage you, move to action and pray one for another. The last point tonight is the persistence of prayer. Don't quit. Don't stop. I prayed for a dear man in Alabama in the years that I was there. His name is Donald Rudy. I love and appreciate Donald and his wife, Karen. Uh, they had a boy about the same age as, as my wife and I. And uh, I knocked on his door 17 months in a row. Never missed. Trying to win him to Christ. Trying to get him in church. Eventually, in a revival, he trusted Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. Ladies and gentlemen, he's a deacon in a church. I saw him this summer. We had prayer with him. We rejoiced in what God did in his life. I encourage you, be persistent in prayer and be faithful. And then let me say this. I love a song years ago that I heard someone is praying for you. I often hear that. I hear people say, Bro Sloan, I'm praying for you. I don't know anything that you could do to be more beneficial to me. I encourage you to do this. Keep on praying. Keep on praying. I got a sticker on my pickup truck. It says, keep on praying. Why? It's the most important, valuable thing I can do for the work of God. You can give time. You can give money. You can give a lot of things. But give time devoted in prayer. God bless you. Let's close in prayer. Father, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity to preach your word tonight. We love you. Help us to be faithful in this command that you've given us to pray. Amen.